Good evening and blessing and welcome to another installment of the Gist of Freedom Estate. This show is produced by acclaimed historian, educator, and author, Leslie Gist, and serves as our weekly live online discussion to celebrate the African-American experience by honoring all the people, past and present, black and white, who, with faith and focus, are preserving our rich history through literature, the arts, the skilled trades, and the humanities. We thank you for joining us tonight, and we'd love you to be a part of tonight's discussion by calling in with your comments or questions to 347-324-5552. Before we get started, just a public service announcement that today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. You can listen to their audiobooks whenever and whenever you want and get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at www.audiobooksblackhistory.com. That's www.audiobooksblackhistory.com. Hello, Ronaldo Ricketts. We are joined uh, this evening with Ronaldo Ricketts, who is a descendant of Dr. Marcus Garvey, and he's going to be coming on to share with us about his lineage to uh, the, the famed uh, civil rights icon and what he's doing now to preserve his legacy. Mr. Ricketts, good evening. Good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, first, uh, to start off, I want you to uh, kind of explain to our viewers uh, how you are related to Marcus Garvey. Okay, well, Marcus Garvey and my great-grandmother were um, first cousins. And Marcus Garvey, as you know, is from St. Anne. My great-grandmother was also from St. Anne. And the family migrated to Panama. And when Marcus Garvey, when he started the UNIA movement, he stayed and lived with my great-grandmother as he went around Panama and spoke to the various unions that he tried to form against the um, United Fruit Company. Mm-hmm. And that's, this is how we're related. Mm-hmm. And, and how, did you, how did you come to learn about the history of Marcus Garvey? I came to learn about the history through my, actually through my great aunt that lived through 97 years old. And my great aunt, Le, she uh, actually preserved a poster, an original poster, that I'm currently restoring of the UNIA movement. And she was actually, uh, they, my family, my entire family in Panama participated in the movement, in organizing union workers and trying to form a union. And this is a legacy that, uh, and stories about Marcus Garvey that has existed throughout the, um, since the 1920s that has been handed down to us. And do you still have that poster now? Pardon me? Do you still have that poster now? Yes, I still have the poster. I still have the poster, but the poster is in reconstruction. What is because that? Because of the shape that it was in. I mean, the poster is over oh, seven years old. Okay. Now, I'm just trying to think, um, if I were the a descendant of Marcus Garvey, I would have probably gotten a lot of special treatment growing up had I told people that. Um, what was the reaction of other people when you told them of this lineage? Well, people were, well, of course, people are initially shocked and 
and I guess you're going to have your doubters, but um, it's just, um, it's well, as you know, being related to someone that's famous or, or, or infamous or famous um, is something that's out of your control. You know, it's, um, it, we, we, we're, we, 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 don't, we don't choose our, our relatives. And, um, mm-hmm. and this is, this is what, 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 what makes it unique for our family is the fact that we are, we are related to an iconic figure, and which makes us proud, you could say. And it's not just our family. It's, it's the entire history of black people in the Western Hemisphere. And as you know, Marcus Garvey had one of the most, the most comprehensive program for uplifting black people you know, in the Western Hemisphere, because what he tried, what he built, what what he built today, considering that he didn't have the technology and the communication that exists today, and what he did with, I think, a report, something like 7 million members worldwide is what Garvey was able to establish around the world in building, really, the first black nation. And with that saying, considering the times of segregation, considering the time of segregation and what he was able to do was unite black people on a level that I don't think has ever been achieved before. Now, I think when you talk about the accomplishments of any figure like Marcus Garvey, I think inherently you have to talk about some of the, um, for lack of a better word, misconceptions or some of the uh, negative connotations that people may have associated with him. Um, based on your research and what you know, what do you think people might have misunderstood about him uh, and, well, and in some cases called him somewhat of a divisive figure? And, uh, well, yeah, some people thought that, Mark, that the entire Garvey movement was about getting on a ship and going back to Africa. They, I mean, this was an oversimplified, and this was, of course, the det- Garvey's detractors, um, took this stance as was pure propaganda and uh, all untruth, of course. But the movement was about building your own financial institution and becoming independent, becoming independent and not subservient to white America. And one of the reasons, one of the reasons that this movement was sabotaged. Matter of fact, unfortunately, this movement was actually sabotaged also from outside and from within. People he trusted were actually were actually government agents, and and his detractors saw black people as actually becoming independent and not dependent on white society because the entire movement was not based in government loans. And mm-hmm. once you get government loans, then you're controlled by the government, is what right. people don't understand. And this is what many groups today are trying to accomplish. Like you take the, the Nation of Islam. The Nation of Islam actually well, be, became a carbon copy of the Garvey movement. This is one of the reasons that it grew, because they talked about independence. They didn't talk about dependence 
on white society. Mm-hmm. I was just going to actually weave into that because, uh, you know, there, there are really like three major figures that many people associate with the sort of black liberation movement. Uh, that's, of course, Marcus Garvey, Dr. Martin Luther King, and, and Malcolm X. Do you know what the relationship was between those three men? Well, like, like I said before, um, Malcolm's, Ma- Malcolm, as you know, Ma- Malcolm's family came from the Garvey movement. I mean, mm-hmm. wherever Malcolm's family moved, um, they established chapters of the Garvey movement because of Malcolm's parents. As a matter of fact, Marcus, um, uh, Malcolm X's mother was a journalist for one of the newspapers of the Black Star Line. She was a journalist, and as a matter of fact, she, she, she ran and established the woman's wing of the Marcus Garvey movement. Mar- Malcolm X's parents were Garveyites. Ma- Marcus, uh, Ma- Malcolm X grew up as a Garveyite, you could, you could say. And later on, he was trained by Elijah Muhammad, and Elijah Muhammad pretty much uh, co-opted the Garvey movement. And Martin Luther King, as a matter of fact, Martin Luther King has been to Jamaica and uh, to Marcus's grave and laid a wreath. So Marcus Garvey, you could say, was like the, the first black leader in the Western Hemisphere to really make a significant or have a significant impact you know, in this country, throughout the islands and Central and South America. Mm-hmm. So they, they were, Marcus was, was like the forefather of the black movement, you could say, of the nationalist movement in this country. Yeah, and, and what was that tipping point for Marcus Garvey? At what point in his life did he sort of like sprout out as someone who can be trusted to, to speak on the issues that he spoke about? What was that defining Mar- moment? Marcus, well, this, Marcus's family... Marcus came from, I had a very, very strict father. I mean, Marcus Garvey, you, you could say he was, in in some respect, he was almost born to lead. I mean, as a teenager and as, as a tradesman, he, or, he organized workers as a, as a teenager. And he, as, as if they were going to name him Moses. And Marcus was just a man with a lot of, determination and pride and this probably came from his obviously from 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 his upbringing and the family structure in which he grew up in is that as they say leaders I don't think are born I think leaders are made and he exhibited the quality of what you call a leader the same as Malcolm X and same as Martin Luther King, he came from a very strong family structure that's, that supported a person like that with those skills. Mm. I, I guess what I'm trying – how old was he when he died, by the way, Marcus Garvey? Oh, God. I, um, Marcus, I think, was still in his, uh, um, in his late, 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 late 50s, I believe it was. Late 50s. I guess what I'm trying to figure out is at what point, um, you know, he was growing up, he was a boy, and then he became a man around 21, and then what was the defining moment when he organized X, Y, and Z that sort of catapulted him from the Marcus Garvey no one knew to the Marcus Garvey that everyone knew? Um, like, like I said, I, I guess the, 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 fa- the family structure and the strict up- upbringing is what I think were, or were the determinant factors in shaping his views that 
as 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 a as a young man and later on in life um these were you could say the building blocks of the UNIA and they as you know they the the strongest the stronger a family structure the greater the man or the greater the people and this is one of the problems that we have today is that the the black family structure has been fractured it has been fractured and when you look you look at the statistics on some of these high schools some high schools is less than 50% of black students are even graduating from school you know and you have some then then you, we have something like 70 60 70% of black children born out of wedlock what we're what, what we're witnessing over the last 70 80 years is a is a destruction of the black family. The black family is actually falling apart. Mm-hmm. And right, and one of the reasons, and that is, and that is education. And that is education and drugs and things of that nature that has actually fractured black people. Right. Now I was um, I was informed by uh, Dr. Julius Garvey, one of the sons of Marcus Garvey that one should never, ever talk about Marcus Garvey in an interview, in a speech, et cetera, without talking about his wife uh, at the time of his passing. Um, do you know much about her? Have you researched her at all? Yes, I've researched Well, he, he, Marcus Garvey had more than one wife. Yes, the one that he was with the passing, the, the right. mother of Dr. Right. Dewey. Well, well she, she was an integral part of the movement. As a matter of fact, well, there there were a lot of jealousies amongst um, Marcus's close associate and her because she was a very she was a very strong-willed woman, and as you know, a strong-willed woman in a patriarchal organization um, ran into problems, and there were just there were many obstacles that a lot of men have a, a lot of men have problems with women that are diligent and that have leadership skills. And this is just, I guess, because of the society we live in, because we live in a patriarchal society. And so she had problems with people that were close to Garvey, and there was a lot of conflict in the organization with her and the people that were close to Garvey. Mm-hmm. Explain that immediate family lineage of Marcus Garvey, his wife at the time of his passing, the two sons. How have you connected with them at all? Is there any um, relationship well, between them? We've, 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 I've connected to some of the people that are related, and but we're not, let's say, um, we're not all on a first name basis. And if you understand, why, why is that? I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I I simply don't know. We have we all we have our agendas, and mm-hmm. and um we're, we 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 connect, but it's not um it's not something that's continuous for whatever reason. I mean, family have their breaks in families, and not due to any conflict, but due to their schedules and their focus in life. Right. And at what point did you decide that you wanted to sort of pick up the mantle as, uh, say, an ambassador of the legacy of Marcus Garvey? I probably in – I was still in high school, 
I was still in high school, and and my great aunt that gave me that that sent me eventually sent me the poster of of Marcus Garvey talked about talked about his legacy. And I mean, I, I remember my father mentioning it, but my 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 great aunt that lived to ninety seven, she she always talked about Garvey because she was she was she was she was instrumental in in doing a lot of organizing during the uh the, the, the union organizing in Panama and and countries in Central America. And so that piqued my interest and plus at that time, the sixties and seventies, from the generations of they said as the generation that when America actually grew up, it was it was a time of Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and and it was it, America they say had grown up. Our America was growing up. The entire black, the legacy of black people, you know, was was, was coming to the forefront. I mean, there were the confrontation, the the sit-ins, the the war, all these things, uh, like came to a, a crescendo. And it was. It, it, it was a time, as you could say, of a there was a black renaissance and a renewed interest in blackness, and people were beginning to question their history books. Can you imagine going to school and not seeing anyone that looked like you, even though you had been here for hundreds of centuries? And people began to question the validity of their education, and I guess this is this is something that. I mean, I was part of that movement, and that sparked my interest, I mean, in Garvey and in people like King and Malcolm X, and see how it's all tied in to one, and that is nationalism is what unites people. And nationalism with an economic base is even greater because you're not dependent on. I mean, some of Garvey's detractors um, were dependent on government agencies, and and any organization that's dependent upon a government agency is controlled by the government. Marcus Garvey was independent. These were these were black people uniting as one to do something for black people and Africa at the same time. And this can this can be done today, even on a greater scale. We should even be able to do a thousand times more than what Garvey did in the age of communication that we live. I mean, this is what sparked the fire in my eye. Right. And what that they were able to downfall? do something like this in the twenties. It, it's it, it's unbelievable. No, it when is. you look at them in retrospect, when you look at the movement and and what they did, it, it's. It's it, we 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 should be able to do something greater than what Garvey did. From your mouth to God's ears. Pardon me. From your mouth to God's ears. Yes. Uh, what would you say was Marcus Garvey's downfall? Downfall of Garvey, like I had mentioned earlier, is that the the movement was infiltrated. And by actually there was there was like one man that actually broke that broke the um the UNIA's back and that was J. Edgar Hoover. J. Edgar Hoover, the FBI was not formed then, but J. Edgar Hoover they picked from the State Department 
and J. Edgar Hoover had paid informants in the Garvey movement, and the objective of J. Edgar Hoover was to destroy the first independent black organization in the Western Hemisphere. And it was the United States government that destroyed the movement. Mm-hmm. And, and, and people and Garvey's detractors, these people turned on Garvey. And it was the government that destroyed a movement that would have made black people independent in this right. country and around the world. This, this was a movement that, that had made us that would have made black people independent, would have made Africans independent, because it was about taking our natural resources and developing for us. And this was, this was a threat to white society, segregated society. And another thing that destroyed the movement was just people that didn't understand, that didn't understand what the, Gar- the Garvey movement was about. So they were fed propaganda. I mean, they were. I mean, the, the movement was sabotaged, basically, by the government. And these are the people that had the power to destroy the movement, and they did. Right. When what you're up you against the, the most powerful country in the world, and they're mm-hmm. after you, where do you go for help? Right. Right. Came to you, and and they said. You know, I'm I'm looking to get involved and do community activism work and trying to empower my people. Using some of the lessons learned from uh, Marcus Garvey, what would you advise them to to be wary of or to uh, caution them about if they wanted to do? I would say, if you really want to help, you we 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 have to go back to basics, and that is that you whatever you're doing, whatever you're doing that strengthens your family structure, is is a step in the right direction, whether or not you're part of a movement or not. But the family structure is the most important foundation in any movement and of all people because the first thing, the first thing they attempt to, to the, the first thing they attempt to do, and that is destroy the family structure, you should make sure that you, your children, and people around you have a solid and good education. Education is the most important. That is your foundation. That and a family structure is important. If you want to get involved in a movement, first move within your own home. And that is mm-hmm. the beginning. And what other pieces of advice would you offer? Um, study hard. Study Study hard and learn and learn your history. Learn who you are. Find out what people, what your people have done in history. You know, this is reinforcement that every culture has. I mean, Europeans have it. Chinese have it. Indians have it. Everybody has that. And this reinforces your perspective and concept of self. You see, your concept of self is determined by your history. Right. If you go to school and you don't see, and everything you've ever heard, it's like when you pick up the newspapers today. Every time you see a black man in the newspaper here on the West Coast and in San Francisco, it's a story usually negative. 
It's almost it's almost always negative. And this is how this is how they build this is how they build a stereotype of you. And this is the image that they project to the world of what they want people to believe you are. Just like for for example, um, here in allegedly liberal San Francisco, um, my ex-wife once worked for a firm that um, an engineering firm, and and uh, with a yellow sticker, and uh, a brother from Africa came over that had a PhD. None of them had a PhD in the office, and they put a yellow sticker on his um, resume, and it said, "Black should we hire?" Mm. And 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 this is the 21st century, and they're still thinking. And they said, "Well, sure, get an education and all that is fine, but then we still have to overcome the color factor, because color is still a factor. We still live in a race-based society, mm-hmm. even with a PhD. You still have to overcome color, because color will always be a factor." And you don't see any end to that. Pardon me. And you don't see any end to color being a factor. No. Color will always be a factor because we saying a person saying that we live in like oh they're colorblind, I don't see color, that is just utter nonsense. Culture and color are always factors. You know, race does not go away. I mean melanin content of skin is something that exists. People or even people that are even the same color are divided through education and and economics and, and, and so forth. There's division within the color structure. But we will always have we will a race based society is, is is utter nonsense. It doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. It, it it doesn't exist and it will never exist. And the race is, and, and the, the, the history of the human race Color has always been a factor. There's never been a race, a a a, a race or colorless society, you know, or or culture. Even in even in Africa, I mean, Africa is divided. Africa is 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 not. There, there, there is no atypical African society. I mean, and and even within the same, even within the same uh, culture. And and country, their division. The people are people. People are tribal. I mean, the human race is tribal. Right. And um, it will always exist. There will always be a division somewhere. Could be looks. Could be economics. Could be education. But these divisions exist. They've always existed. Just like how you had kings and queens. The workers weren't equal to the kings and queens. So these divisions are things that have existed since probably the beginning of the human race. Mm-hmm. The now, guy the with the most stones, you know, won. Right. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Um, mm-hmm. So people who want to learn more about the work that you're doing, how can they find out? Is there a website that you've compiled to preserve this history of Marcus Garvey? Yes. Um, well, I, I, I could be reached through my email are at um that's um R E N A L D O dot Ricketts at gmail dot com or I can be reached on Facebook or you can Google my name 
And whatever information I could disperse to you, I'd be more than willing to be in okay. touch. I've Thank also, you. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I think it's important, if, if possible, I always try to press on uh, these electronic and video means of preservation because um, I think that poster that you have that your uh, relative gave you um, is something that I think should, should be viewed. Um, oh, definitely, I, definitely. You know, I don't know if, if if that's something that you've ever considered. Yeah, it's it's something down down the road. I mean, we're we're, we're in touch, and uh, right now I'm not at liberty to actually give an actual date as when it could be viewed. But when that time comes, I'll be more than glad to to give you the information, or we can talk about it again on the radio show as to when that's going to happen. Sounds like a plan. Um, Mr. Ricketts, it was such a pleasure to speak with you. I'm so happy that I got the opportunity to It was to get it's, you on the more line than a pleasure, and, and uh, thank you for this opportunity. Okay, thank God that we did not have any technical difficulties. Oh, that's good. The show. That's good. Right, so thank definitely. you so much. And it's a pleasure, and I'm looking forward to um, talking to you again. Sounds like a plan. Sounds good. All right. Good night. All right. Thank you.